sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. I have to say, I, I enjoyed the last hour of the show for sure. I mean, I usually enjoy every hour, but more interaction from you all really is what makes the show. So I appreciate A, having a guest, Troy Clymer from the Georgia Forestry Commission, but B, having listeners listening to that conversation and then calling in asking just really educated, really thoughtful questions for that. So that was really good. That's probably certainly a segment that you may hear again if and when I need a Saturday off, which you know that that does occasionally happen. So welcome to Green and Growing. Now we've made it to hour number three of the show, and it's going to be a lot of your calls now, 404-872-0750. And of course, coming up at the bottom of the hour, Pike Nurseries with uh, something colorful, something edible, something really fun and cute that you could add to the landscape. So be thinking about that. Some of you may have already figured it out. Speaking of something edible, we certainly have a good caller on the line uh, calling or asking about banana trees. Hey, good morning to Ted in Covington. Welcome to the show. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, my question is, what sustainable temperatures, high and low, do I need before I remove the mulch from out around my banana trees and elephant ears. Okay, so you overwintered those guys. How did you do it? Just mulch, or did you do a little more? Well, the first year, I, this is the first year I did this, trying to work smarter, not harder. Yeah. I took, uh, let's say, a five-gallon bucket full of grass clippings and leaves and just put around them, okay? Mm-hmm. And then I... uh filled the bucket up half full the mulch and dumped it over the cutoff area, okay, the stump, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you did a great job. And when winter temperatures get really, really cold, which I can't really recall how many of those cold, cold nights we had, but like let's say below 25, 23 degrees, yeah, the tops are usually killed out of banana trees. Um, people pot them and bring them in, which is absolutely crazy when some of them get to be as large as they are, like nine feet or something like that. Straw, mulch, all good ways um, of trying to overwinter those. So the elephant ears are going to probably take to, you know, a slower warm up. The bananas, I mean, I know ideally, Ted, I don't have exactly the answer, but they, they enjoy between, you know, consistent 75 to 90 degree temperatures. And, you know, we're not going to reach that for another couple of months. Um, According to Kirk Mellish's spring outlook, you know, there may still be a chance for a cold snap in the beginning of April. Um, And that's what, you know, history tells us with the last frost. So I would still wait just a little bit. If anybody has some better uh, tips, I know there are big banana tree growers in Marietta and different parts of the city. If they have any uh, more helpful info for Ted, that would be appreciated. 404-872-0750. Ted, if you Keep listening. I want folks to really be able to give you more of like a, a precise time when that's not going to be a concern, but maybe wait it out just a little longer. And same for the elephant ears also. Yeah, you know, so like do you cut yours back as as they die? You cut them back or you just leave the dead growth on the ground? Yeah, no, I cut them back. Okay, yeah, me too. And I usually just pile a little bit of um, yeah, pine straw or leaves or whatever over them. They're going to be just fine. I mean, they're going to start coming up in the next month and a half or so. So there's nothing really you need to be concerned with with those. 
But the banana tree, I don't want to stray you wrong because those are so beautiful and so cool. I don't want to have you pull everything away too early and then get nipped by some cold weather. So, yeah, just keep listening. We'll see if anybody has some better advice, okay? Okay, well, that's great. Well, also, uh, talking about the big one being overwhelming, mm-hmm. that's uh, what I ran into and uh, started doing some like this. Of course, now, I have eight eight or so up on the crawl space of the house. I snip mm-hmm. the leaves back and put in a plastic garbage bag and have on the crawl space. But, yes, uh, I'd appreciate any advice, okay? Yeah, absolutely. That was smart to shelter them. They don't like the harsh wind. They don't like the cold. I mean, not enough sun exposure that's really going to keep them happy with the cold temperatures we get here. So, yes, Ted, I really appreciate that. Thank you for listening, and you keep listening because we will get you a good answer, folks that know much more than myself. Uh, 404-872-0750. Up next, it's Ella. Hey, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. I just want to know, I I, uh, planted a large um, peach tree about a year, two years ago. And the first year, I got these great big peaches, and they were just lovely. And I would like to know, what can I do this past year? I've got a lot of them. They was real big, but they started to spoil real bad. Mm -hmm. You know, the brown comes on them, and I don't know what to do to get rid of that. Yeah, there's peach scab, and there's brown rot, and all kinds of things like that, which, uh, you know, peaches, us being the peach state, that is one of the more difficult fruit fruit crops for homeowners to grow here just because of so many diseases and so many insects and all of that. So it's a year old, you said? It's two years old now. Two years old. Okay, so you're kind of still in that stage, too, um, where pruning is so important and just working little by little each year, you know, to ensure that you're training the tree properly and encouraging it to grow in the right shape and the right direction so that sunlight can filter in there produce more leaves, which in turn produce more fruit and all that kind of thing. So, Ella, if you haven't, in the last couple of years, I would check out first uh, a publication from the University of Georgia that really just goes into so much better detail than, than me. You could get it from your local extension agent or um, online, extension.uga.edu. Just type like fruit tree pruning or something really simple. Um, a diagram of just how to go about that, what limbs to remove, at what points, you know, for the first few years. But honestly, I think most importantly, and if anybody else, you know, differs, please certainly let Ella know, but um, a spray regimen is just so important, not only to combat uh, insects, but diseases as well. So you have to have a good spray regimen. Um, you can d- do some of that spraying now. Uh, we want to spray early before it starts to flower, because then once it starts to flower, it's going to attract the pollinators. We don't want those insecticides to be harmful to the the bees and things that you really need. But um, spraying to protect from plum curculio, that's a problem where a lot of those guys will bore into the fruit before you can even really get to it. Um, like you were saying, I mean, brown rot. And also, too, to, to keep good airflow in the fruit trees and things like that, thinning the crop out. You know, I know the first year or two, you may have gotten a lot of peaches, but having the skill and the knowledge to be able to thin some, I know you hate to take what appear to be perfectly good fruit off the trees, but to allow more energy and sustainability for the fruit that is going to stay on there. Um, 
a lot of these home orchard sprays are going to be really your best friend. And read the labels very carefully, Ella. I think spraying at least two or three times a year to make sure you're doing it at the right time. Um, and if you need any more info, again, on that publication, just just reach out to me online or, or shoot me an email, and I'll make sure to get that to you so you know how to prune. Thank you so much for the call. 404-872-0750 out to Gwinnett County. Good morning, Brett. Good morning. How are you? I am great. Good to hear from you. What you got for us today? Yes, ma'am. I was, I'm a uh, pest control professional. I've been doing it for about 15 years. Um, one thing I've noticed with people, you were talking about composting mm-hmm. earlier. A lot of people tend to do it really close to their house, ah. which also brings ants into their house and the American cockroach, which we call water bugs. <laughs> or, you know, and that's a problem that we have to deal with. So people who are composting, they need to put it far enough away from their house that it's not attracting the insects into their house. And I just thought I'd bring that up. That is really a great point. And Brett, while I've got you on the line too, let me kind of pick your brain. What are some other things that we have close by the house or maybe, you know, things that are nice habitats for rodents and insects that maybe we should start to remove, do some spring cleaning? Leaves. Uh, always remove your leaves because uh, smoky brown and uh, the American cockroaches, they're, they're they're woodland roaches. Mm-hmm. They live on uh, leaf decay and, and, and organic matter like that. So if you have it close to your house, also uh, change out your mulch. Don't let it get too high or even pine straw because that keeps moisture and heat, which is perfect for uh, a number, any number of insects, including ants, especially ants. And if it gets hot this summer, they're going to come all into the houses. Wow, what's the most common type of ant you know that we're going to see coming up in the warmer in the warmer days? Um, usually, get a lot of sugar ants. Okay. Um, or um, orchard ants. Are the are the sugar ants the little black ones that just make like a long line in and out of your house? Yes, ma'am. My my grandmother used to call them piss ants. <laughs> um, but if they get on your counters, what I tell my customers, and again, I'm in, because we can't put chemicals. On a on a uh, food surface. Sure. Um, I tell them to if you just get some plain Windex or that has ammonia in it, it actually kills a dead bang. Um, and then just take a paper towel and mist it lightly and wipe it away, and that gets rid of the pheromone trail. Yeah, I have found that too. Windex is like amazing. I mean, I feel bad, but you just kind of sit there and watch them die right away. Oh yes, ma'am. Well, and, but it's my job, so <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy it at that point. I yeah. Get them out of my Oh, I'll watch a cockroach die all day, every day. I'm not that afraid of spiders, not that afraid of snakes. Cockroaches, I will scream like a little girl and run. I don't know how people live in South Carolina where they call them palmetto bugs. Like, that's just awful. Brett, thank you very, very much for that. That was very thoughtful. And reminding folks to keep the composting away from the house, right? Because we talked about the green materials that we need in there, as well as the brown, the decaying materials for that nitrogen and that carbon that are so important in the whole composting process. And also, too, I tried this last year. It just I was it, it didn't really work. But trying like a big container in the kitchen to hold those coffee grounds and those kitchen scraps and eggshells and things like that. And of course, you know, one would advise you use a large container, you know, keep on the counter, but have it an airtight lid. That way you're not attracting things. You're not going to have the smell if that's what you insist on doing, you know, keeping that inside adding those things to it until you're ready to take it out into the garden. Brett, I really appreciate that. You drive safe out there. Coming up, we're going to be talking to Ryan, Peg, and Jennifer, and maybe you.
404-872-0750. It's Green and Growing on WSP. Starting to warm up, getting close to 50 degrees. Finley Roofing brings you the weather update. And Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz will be along with like a five-day forecast, but I'll give you at least the weekend outlook. Partly cloudy today and a cooler temperatures high of around 55. That's it. But warming up Sunday and Monday, uh, highs in the mid to upper 60s and lows around 30. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. All right, so number one, this weekend and in the coming week, hey, not a lot of rain, folks. you got to get out there, make some time to spend outdoors. Uh, I had Mike Shields from the traffic team on. He's going to get out there. Jason Byers and his wife have already spent a lot of time outside, and me too. I'm, I'm just, I have so much to do, it's overwhelming. But uh, So I don't think it's too late to prune back muscadine vines today. Sandra Parrish, a reporter here on WSB for years and years, recently posted uh, her husband and, and she went after pruning back the muscadines in North Georgia. And so it looks great, but it's a lot of work. Just have those sharp pruners handy. Uh, number two, start seed indoors for summer vegetables. We're getting on the latter end of when you need to have that done. I've got a checklist on the Green and Growing Facebook page for you to make sure you have everything you need to get started. And uh, a a woman that reached out to me had success with using some seeds she bought last year. She taken into account she properly stored it and all that. I think that's, I'm going to do the same. I didn't use all the tomato and the pepper seed from last year. So fingers crossed that's going to germinate in the next seven to 10 days. And transplant trees and shrubs now. That is number three. It's important to break up the dirt really well before you backfill that hole. And that goes with planting new things as well. Flowering shrubs you can plant now uh, Forsythia, Pittosporum, Rhododendrons, Azaleas, all of those are having some color right now. Forsythia, the bright yellow, kind of wild, twiggy-looking stuff, that is just really, really good-looking right now. But, yeah, we've got that Georgia red clay. So crumble that up. You know, go at it with a shovel if you need to, but crumble that up really well as you backfill the hole. Don't use any or even a lot of soil amendment. You want that hole to be kind of as natural of an environment as it can be. Um, and we had Mickey Gasway weigh in just a little bit ago. Get a soil test. There's never a bad time for that. So you can buy the kits uh, at Pike Nursery. You can reach out to the Master Gardeners, the Extension Agency in your county. And it comes with directions of exactly how you need to go around your yard, take soil samples, combine them all, that they can really get a good uh, broad overview of what's going on in your lawn. So great questions about coffee grounds and uh, sinking in the yard. That's never something you want to have happen. And more info about Master Gardeners and Pike Nursery to talk about strawberries. All of that in the last half hour of Green and Growing. Stay with us on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Things are green and they certainly are growing. This is the time of year to get really excited if you are a Georgia gardener. And if you're not, now's the best time to probably get interested in that. Glad you're along for the show. I was just telling Jason, my producer, and uh, John there, answering the phones when you call, you talk to John. Uh, what a good show. This has been a lot of great uh, guests and caller interaction, and y'all just energize me like you have no idea. You know, 
Saturday is day six uh, of the week that I get up early, but I joke I get to sleep in like an extra hour. I get to sleep late on Saturdays versus Monday through Friday when I'm in the traffic center by about 4 a.m., 4.15. Uh, but this show is just great. It, it starts off my day right and really motivates me, at least, and I hope it can do the same for you to get out there, get started uh, with things in the garden. So I appreciate that. If you miss any parts of the show, because it has been, it, I pat myself on the back, it really has been a good show. So I don't want you to miss out if you're just joining us. Uh, the first two hours of the show, plus this hour, once completed, will all be available to listen to as podcasts on Spotify, on Google Play, uh, just search Green and Growing, or WSBRadio.com. Those of you familiar with our website, go to the On Demand section, and there you can see every show, listen back, commercial-free. you got a short commercial at the beginning, I think. Uh, and then commercial-free, you can listen back to any parts of the show that you may have missed, so I appreciate that. This is always the point in the show where we bring on Pike Nursery to kind of feature what to be on the lookout for in the nurseries over the weekend, timely things to be doing, and I've teased ahead to this one. Uh, Allison Smith, manager of the East Cobb store, so, Allison, let's see if you get it. It's colorful, it's edible, and it's beautiful, and it's fun. Oh, boy. Don't we love them? Don't we love them? And that's kind of They're a like... cheat because you know the answer. <laughs> that's right. Strawberries. Oh. We love them. They're the first fruits of spring, and they're they're flowering. They're beautiful. And aren't they just delicious? Don't we love them? Yeah. And, you know, here I am telling people in the top three things, you know, to start their seeds indoor, you know, if they want to grow some vegetables in the summertime. But this is like probably plant number one that you can do and actually have some success with. And that may encourage you on the path to really start doing, you know, an edible garden. But talk about how easy strawberry plants are for folks. Oh, they're fantastic. They're so easy to, to grow and such a rewarding plant. What a lot of people uh, may overlook is that they're perennials, so they come back every year. So not only is it easy to grow, but it gives back and back and back. And right now is the best time to plant them. Early to mid-March, we've got some in gorgeous hanging baskets in our greenhouse right now that are already producing fruit, Ashley. It's so exciting. And they can stay in those hanging baskets, but what about folks who may want to do multiple plants? What's kind of the best garden layout for them? Oh, I love that question because we've got specific strawberry planters. They have what we call little pockets all around because strawberries kind of um, spread and we don't want our little critters on the ground getting to them. So hanging baskets or pots that lift them up a little bit off Mm -hmm. the ground are actually ideal. The fun thing with strawberry pots as well, with all those little pockets, you can also include some fun herbs on the side. We've got loads of those, too, with four pockets or six. So you can really have fun with a variety of strawberries that you plant in there or mixing in some herbs as well. And those pots that you're talking about that come out with the little pockets on the side where you can grow various things, what sizes do those come in and what are they made of? I've got two different sizes. They're made of terracotta um, clay. Okay. So they're really durable. Uh, The ones with four pockets, we've got... um, are fantastic. And the ones with six pockets, they're about eight inches and six inches each. Wow. That's not, that's not overwhelming on the deck or the balcony or the patio by any means. It's really not. They're really easy to use. And you know, the terracotta too, Allison, I like because for people that, you know, fear gardening for the fact that they may underwater or overwater something, when you're growing something in a terracotta pot, it's so easy to be able to tell just by color, whether or not it's got sufficient moisture. That's exactly right. And strawberries 
do need water. They need about one to two inches of water a week in order to develop those really juicy fruits. So the only thing gardeners need to pay attention to is the rainfall. If we get a lot of rain, as spring often brings us, we want to be mindful of that so we don't overwater and invite any disease. So strawberries are so fun and easy. Like Allison just said, you can have them in a hanging basket or in those pocketed pots or even just like in a raised bed kind of little, you know, lengthwise container on the deck. But uh, other berries that we could pick up while we're at it at Pike. Oh, I love that you ask. Right now we are flush with blackberries, raspberries, and amazing blueberries. Um, raspberries and blackberries, most people want to know if we need, you know, a second plant to cross-pollinate. With blackberries and raspberries, the answer is no. Oh. You can plant just one and get bountiful fruit. And with blueberries, for the rabbit eye um, varieties, you do want two, and we've got several varieties of those. The rabbit eyes do the best here in our climate and our soil. But we've got uh, varieties like Bountiful Blue, which is one of my personal favorites, that is self-pollinating. Mm-hmm. So you can put it in a container on your patio or on your porch um, or even in your backyard or plant it out there in your landscape, and it will produce blueberries. If you don't have a lot of room, it's a great one blueberry plant to have. But I have like three. so. <laughs> <laughs> and these are, I mean, blueberries are easy too. Like, I mean, I protect mine. They're, they're in pots. They have stayed in pots on my back deck for a number of years now. And just, I bring them up against the house in the cold winter months. I don't really do a whole lot to protect them. And they're already starting to put off new shoots and new growth. And I can see the buds, you know, on the tips of the branches. So yes. um, for blueberry, like what what's probably the most important thing, Allison, that you need to, to maintain a healthy blueberry bush? Well, for all of these berries, we need full sun. Okay. Um, like most, most plants that produce fruit, we need like six hours of that sun. With blueberries, um, we already talked about the self-pollinating and then the cross-pollinating. I strongly recommend that you get a good holly-tone fertilizer in there. The blueberries are acid-loving um, fruit plants, but they definitely need some good fertilizer, just as our raspberries, blackberries, and strawberries do. I love the holly-tone for the blueberries. So staying on top of that water, getting it in full sun, and keeping an eye on giving that the, them the food they need to produce all those berries are all key. And now that we're starting to get into active growth you know, with these things, is now the time to fertilize? Absolutely. Um, Think of your plants as just waking up uh, from a really good nap and they are hungry. They need some snacks. So we want to we want to encourage all of their growth, Um, even with uh, shrubs in the yard. um, You want to go ahead and get out a little bit of food to get them going. We want to also always be mindful as we head closer to April when we're clear of frost. We always want to be mindful if that temperature is going to drop mm-hmm. real uh, drastically and, and get into the low 30s or high 20s. We want to uh, maybe throw some frost cloths out over our plants to protect them and then pull it up as soon as the sun comes out, just as that new growth is emerging to protect it. Perfect. Yeah, very good. We talked about uh, meteorologist Kirk Mellish and him posting his spring outlook as a blog on WSBradio.com. That way, most of us kind of know at least what this roller coaster uh, maybe right. for the next few weeks. Yeah. Well, you, that's right. You hear how energetic and passionate uh, Allison Smith is on the air with me from Pike Nursery. And many of you, most of you that are on every Saturday morning, y'all get to take turns, have such a passion for working at the store. So um, some good news. Someone could actually come work for you. 
Oh, absolutely. We are so geared up and ready to help everyone and all of our clients come in this spring. And we are eager to bring in new associates. Uh, we are now hiring at all of our 15 stores across the metro region. Uh, we've got stores from Peachtree City all the way up to Swanee and Woodstock. We're looking for cashiers, sales associates, and loaders who can help with operational tasks. We love people who love people. Yes. So don't, don't, don't hesitate if you don't feel you've got vast plant knowledge. We've got groups of people here who love to share their knowledge. And again, we just love people who love people. Well, that's easy to do. Find it at pikenursery.com or even just walk your happy little self or your teenage son or daughter into a Pike Nursery location and ask for an application. Allison, thank you very, very much. It's always a pleasure talking to you. We get to talk about once a month, so I look forward to the next time you're back. Thank you, Ashley. Have a great day. You too. Berries, how exciting and simple, guys. This is a good starter plant for you. Strawberries, blueberries, raspberries and blackberries I don't have any experience with, but it can be done. So certainly check those out at Pike Nursery. All right, speaking of food, we're going to talk about coffee now with Jennifer Indicator. Hey, thanks for hanging on, Jennifer. Hi, how are you? Hey, so what's your question? I want to know if I can use coffee grounds and old shelled nuts. You know how you shell nuts with a nutcracker. Mm-hmm. I've stockpiled some. I don't see why you can't uh, mix it in the soil. Yeah, you could use it in compost, but if you're just looking to put it straight onto the soil, absolutely. Nitrogen's water-soluble, and when you make coffee, any nitrogen that's there, a lot of it's dissolved You know, as you brew the hot water through and all of that. So there's nothing that would keep you from adding the coffee grounds straight to the soil. And also, um, earthworms kind of take some of, as as the coffee breaks down, earthworms kind of take some of that material and bring it down into the soil. So that's good. I wouldn't layer it on too thick, like, as a mulch, but certainly spreading it around plants would be fine. I was going to mix it in, you know, take into the dirt and just, and the nuts, I thought, they also could be, like, drainage. Yeah, absolutely. As they break down. That is good, yeah, to have some larger pieces um, you know, for the composition of the soil. Yeah. What what kind of shells do you have? Well, right now I've got almonds. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't see why that would be a problem at all. That's really good when we get creative with, you know, amendments to our soil and, and uh, ingredients for composting and things. That's good. There are things like uh, meats and animal-produced and human-produced byproducts, you know, that we want to stay away from. But, Jennifer, you're on the right track. I love where your head's at. Thank you so much. All right, up next, Ryan in Eatonton. Good morning, Ryan. Hey, good morning. I have two problems. One is I think it's called burrweed. My dog keeps getting these little balls stuck in his foot. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the yard is so soft you can't cut the grass. You just sink in it. Now, what I'm wondering, you wouldn't see one. But that sounds like the signs that you've got moles tunneling in the yard. Do you see raised portions of the soil where it's been pushed up? Mm, Yeah, and a lot of holes, too. Yep, I I think you've got moles, and I do, too. Um, And as I'm pushing the lawnmower around the lawn yesterday, I'm sinking, and the back wheels of the push mower are sinking because we're running right over a tunnel. So there's an air pocket underneath where those moles have tunneled and then brought up that soil. And I think it's probably ultimately going to end up, you know, damaging the root system for my fescue for sure. But over the years, Walter Reeves, who sat in this host seat, his best advice for moles was to follow those tunnels. Ryan, I know this sounds stupid 
and your neighbors are going to see you and you look kind of silly, but stomping those tunnels down. And that was honestly the best that I could do yesterday as I was mowing is stomping those tunnels down, compacting the dirt back down and taking that air out and kind of having them re-channel, you know, re-tunnel kind of in a different direction, but especially look for those soft spots along the edges of the sidewalks and the driveways and things because their vision isn't very good. So they're going to follow kind of a steady, you know, something solid that they can run alongside. That way they kind of have some some bearings. Um, Burweed, I'm going to get back to you on that because we got to take a break and check news, weather, and traffic. But I will have info coming up and some final thoughts here on Green and Growing. Stay tuned to WSB. All right, so finally getting up to about 50 degrees right now. The high only going to be in the mid-50s, partly to mostly cloudy for the day. Sunny tomorrow and Monday, though, with highs around the low 60s. No chance of rain in the forecast uh, anytime soon. So Ryan in Eatonton was just asking about burrweed, right, and how to combat that. Um, it's a winter annual, so it already the seeds are already germinated. You know, you're starting to see the plant. He said the the burrs are getting stuck on the dog and all that kind of thing. So pre-emergent treatment, controlling it like late winter um, is going to be best. But right now, using a post-emergent and spraying as needed is going to be the way to control that. Like a two- to three-way broadleaf product, one that I have in mind, BioAdvance, like Southern Weed Killer for lawns. That is safe on all grasses. Um, You can apply now as long as temperatures are above 50 degrees. But one thing, like I was saying, with no rain in the forecast, one thing they do recommend if the lawn is dry, which it still may be, you know, wet enough from all of the rains that we've had. But you may want to think about watering about 24 hours to 48 hours before using the product just to prevent any burn or anything like that. But just spot uh, spot treating that burrweed with something with like a 2,4-D as an active ingredient is going to be good. And for some of the tough ones, um, I mean, it's going to kill a number of broadleaf, like 200-some-odd crazy broadleaf weeds, Ryan. But um, some of the tougher ones may need to be spot-treated in 30 days. So get out there and get the right chemical for the lawn, and uh, the dog will be happy, and you all will be much happier. Green, Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. So I'm kind of bossy. I'm going to tell you three things to do this weekend and this week in 60 seconds or less. I don't think it's too late to prune back muscadine vines today. You're able to do that, but uh, get it done soon. Number two, something else you want to get done right now is starting seed indoors for your summer vegetables. Uh, You know, and then we're going to want to give those seedlings time to grow and then they'll be ready to be moved from inside your home outside to the garden, you know, mid-April to late April. Uh, Check out a checklist on the Green and Growing Facebook page to make sure you have everything you need for that. And you're moving stuff around, transplanting trees and shrubs, still a great time to do that, plus installing new ones. Go to Pike Nursery and look for those spring flowering shrubs that are colorful, like rhododendrons and azaleas. Forsythia is like in your face, bright yellow, beautiful in the nursery right now. It's been a great show. Again, I ask that you go on wspradio.com and click on On Demand or listen back to the show on Spotify or Google Play on your own time. And I'll be back next Saturday. It's going to be a big edition of Green and Growing right here on WSB. Thanks for being there.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.